Привет, everybody, and welcome to our Russian Grand Prix race recap. I hope I got that right. I was watching Danny Kvyat teach Pierre Gasly Russian yesterday, and I totally might have mistaken that words, but I believe that is the Russian word for hello. Or you just insulted all of Russia. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the two. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> if, if you want, if my Russian isn't good, blame Kvyat because he was my teacher. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen that video, it's on the Toro Rosso YouTube channel. He's teaching Pierre Gasly uh, some some Russian phrases. But anyways, welcome to episode sixty-eight. Like I said, we are recapping the Russian Grand Prix, and I have to be honest and, and make a confession right off the bat. I hate the Sochi Autodrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait. I'm glad it's not on the calendar next year. Next year it is. It was oh, the year after. Year after, year after yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's a, it was a nice spot for the Olympics, but it's not yeah. really the greatest racing spot in the world, is it? Not much areas for overtaking. The last sector is all 90 degree corners, one after another. It's it's not the best designed racetrack. And it's designed for a first lap, first corner crash, and that's about it. Yeah, or having to go around a bollard like six times like yeah. we did this year, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I, I didn't really much enjoy it. And even heading into this weekend, I wasn't really looking forward to it that much because I knew that the characteristics of the track wasn't going to provide that much excitement. The race was okay. It wasn't... France level bad, but this was sort of France with barriers. Well, it was, it was strategy drama, wasn't it? Like that. That's what it wasn't the the on track battle that we were excited about. It was the drama inside of the teams and between the teams that really had everyone captivated in the race. And that's usually not what you want to go with during a race. Usually, that's something you see on like TMZ or something like that. You know, <laughs> but uh, it's it, yeah, it, it was expected in Russia. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the drama kind of just started off right at the beginning with yeah. the whole uh, three-way crash between Giovinazzi, Ricardo. I was a sandwich. <laughs> he was that a was, sandwich. It was a good line, though, <laughs> you have to say, uh, and Grosjean. But unfortunately for him, you know, after he had probably his best qualifying finish this season to go out in the first lap, uh, kind of disappointing for him overall, but... Yeah. Mate. He, I actually do feel bad for Roman. I, I do. do. That's, that's it, a tough one. That is a tough on. one because, like I said, it was the best qualifying all season. Now qualified Magnuson. He sounded so defeated in his team radio too. It was just like, mate, we do all this work all week and it just get crashed. We get crashed in the first first turn. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel really bad it's for ridiculous. him. But then he said something after the race where he said, drivers should be more gentlemanly on the opening lap. Roman, may I please point you to Spa 2012? <laughs> When yeah. you went flying over the top of Lewis Mounted. Hamilton. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. So that that kind of applies to himself as well. But it, it wasn't... I, I don't know. Who do you think was at fault in, in that I, corner? I know, think, I th sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it was all three, to be honest. I, I, I don't think okay. it's Giovinazzi's fault. He was kind of just put in that position. He had mm. nowhere to go. He, he was stuck there. He was a sandwich. <laughs> Who, whose fault do you think it is? He was a pastrami in the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest with you, I was looking at the onboards and I was trying to figure out, I'm like, well, what do I think of this? And I think Grosjean is the least to blame. Yes, yeah, I agree. He was the yeah. outside. He was taking what's... The widest. Yeah, the widest apex. Consider the racing line. I think Ricardo was trying to make an overtake. So <laughs> honestly, I might have to blame the meat in the sandwich. Really? Antonio eh? Giovinazzi. I blame Antonio Giovinazzi okay. 100% for that. All right, all and right. And okay. he stuck his nose where it should have been, I think. I mean, I, I like the back out of that. but not when it's in between Grosjean and... <laughs> yeah. 
in Ricardo. He needed some mayo in that sandwich to slip through. <laughs> no, he, he, he had a little Williams in there. He, he was the prosciutto in between the two French biscuits, Grosjean and the Renault. Oh, I was oh gonna say, wow. We that was, that that. was pretty good. Like, yeah, there, we go. good. there we yeah. go. <laughs> well done. Okay. Right. You see, you can tell how boring that race was, right? <laughs> no, if they had Charles in there, would have been made, made some good wine. It would have been a good fit. Wow. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, look, <laughs> where is this going? We're off to a flyer. <laughs> where is this going? We're like Vettel the first 15 laps. We're just See you later. pushing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think in the final analysis, because the way he kind of put his car in no man's land, and to be honest, he squeezed Grosjean, and, and that's yeah. how we hit him in the rear, and Grosjean went airborne a little bit. So First in turn two in the rear. <laughs> Crash. Fuck sakes, honestly. <laughs> oh. Had another turn two in the rear. Yeah. But racing incident is lap one. Not yeah. like any driver should have been penalized. But if if you had to give fault, I'd say it was more Giovinazzi. But it was yeah, kind I, of... I agree. Just kind of three guys fighting for position opening lap. Yeah. So. I mean, it's also unfortunate because it ruined Grosjean's race. And then it ruined Ricardo's race for the rest yeah. of it. Because it put his, put his car off balance. And, you know, ended up where he was. Which... Bad floor damage. He yeah. retired, I know, earlier early in the race because the the floor damage was too much. Yeah, and couldn't deal with it. Second, yeah, yeah. He was the second one to uh, retire. Yeah. yeah, unfortunate for him. And how about this? We start off a podcast not talking about the race winner or like the you know the main lead battle. That's how that's how this race turned out. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the midfield crash at the start of the race. It's a big part of this race, so I feel it like is. we're trying to save all that goes down but it just, to that situation. I think it just yeah. shows you how yeah. Russia is statured as a, a Grand Prix in terms of racing. Mm-hmm. No, no, fair point. Yeah, uh. I think in terms of the battle on track, in terms of overtakes, there wasn't much there for the race There was one really win, right? nice one on the, uh, the long left-hander. Uh, but I don't remember who overtook who. I know Kvyat overtook Gasly there, so maybe I mean, that's it was the one the that you're thinking. Yeah, it was. I it yeah. Was, yeah, which was good for them because after what happened in free practice mm. too, you know, it was a dangerous situation. But yeah, no, they came, both came out of it fairly well. What did uh, you guys? Did you hear about the whole helmet helmet gate with Danny Kvyat and his special helmet for his home race? Well, no, I don't know what happened. So the FIA didn't allow him to run his special Russia GP helmet because you know of the the helmet regulations where. I think they're allowed one race per year where they can change their helmets for special livery or design. And they had deemed that he already used that in Italy when he went with his sort of Italian flag inspired Mm. helmet. So they didn't allow him to run the special Russia lid, which was a very nice helmet. Um, You know, as you guys can see, it was a very special one, obviously home colors. It was his home race, but he wasn't allowed to run it because they said, Hey, you know what? You already ran your, your That's, special helmet. I feel like some drivers have done it twice. Didn't hasn't Red Bull changed? Oh, Vettel changes almost every other race. I, I was gonna say I feel like it's happened more than yeah. to, more than to a few drivers. That's unfortunate for Danny. Poor guy. Yeah. So the drivers were telling him in the stewards' room, dude, just run it. You got grid penalties anyway. What are they gonna do? That's true. But supposedly they could have fined the team up to twenty five thousand euros. So oh, that's come just on. a tire. That's nothing. <laughs> it's just a tire. <laughs> but to Toro Rosso, that's a big deal, yeah, right? It is a lot. You get Red Bull to pay for it. Yeah, that's true. They got the money. Honda to pay for it. They had to, he had to have, he had to take yeah right. That's a good point. They Honda, had to take Honda the Honda should pay for it because Honda's engine blew twice in Danny's car. He's like, right. He had a three engine weekend. You usually had three engines for a, a full season. <laughs> he had three in a weekend. He had to go through. So uh, yeah, tough luck for the Honda engine. Hopefully that's better for their home race 
next week in Japan, but we'll get to that at a later time. Next, that's a next week that's topic. Next that's week right. Topic. That's a next right. week yeah. topic. So stay tuned for uh, some some juicy Honda talk. Yeah. The but other ju- other bad luck on the first lap, or I guess right off the start, was Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Is that bad luck though? Kimi looked like a GP2 driver this weekend. <laughs> oh, what was going on with him? Uh yeah. It's just so everything just went wrong for him this weekend. Yeah. The false start, uh, the first start. I don't think he should have got a penalty. He stopped and let everyone buy. Yeah. Right. It, well, he ended up. He would have been better off just going. Yeah. Like remember in that I was talking earlier about the 2012 start in Belgium. I think it was uh, who was it Kobayashi who jumped the start as well. Yeah. Same thing, yeah. but. It would have been better off. He just jumps the start, gains positions, and then takes the five second penalty afterward. But not the only drive through penalty or drive through, yeah. But not only that, it was in his pit stop. The front jack oh. w- was stuck. Uh, we were showing the video earlier, Shaker. The funniest part of that was his front jackman was just pulling this he thing. Was, his buddy's coming to yank <laughs> it back too, and they both go falling. Yeah, they go yeah. flying with the jack. <laughs> oh my! There goodness. was other jack issues this weekend too. From what I remember, there was another team. Reno, yeah, Reno, Nico right? Hulkenberg. Yeah. And he he actually got hit uh, hit a little bit on his way out. I'm pretty sure. Did he? I think he was maybe maybe. He I know he, I know they dropped the jack while they were trying to change the tire, and then they had to rejack. It. Yes, no, that's what it was. I'm thinking of the uh, Alfa Romeo incident where the uh, driver yes. fell over. Gotcha. Uh, but yes, yeah, I know that was the other jack incident this weekend too. Yeah, yeah, it was bad for for the pit stops in that sense. Um, I think somebody else had a slow pit stop as well. There but wasn't a lot of fast pit stops. I mean, there was like 2.2. That one's the fastest. Congratulations, McLaren. That's yeah. funny uh, how we have like 2.2 or like 2.6 like, oh, seconds. We're like, oh, that's a little slow. <laughs> but that's just the way it was uh, this weekend. We're kind of used to Williams and their 1.98 yeah. type pit stops. But uh, yeah, so I guess we could, maybe we'll get back into the midfield a little bit later on and we'll get into the heart of what was the story this Sunday or this past Sunday's race in Russia. And that was the team orders at Ferrari. Mm. And of course, last year, team orders with Mercedes was the big headline at this race with Valtteri having to pull over and letting Lewis win the race. But now Ferrari was in a weird scenario. So if you guys missed it or didn't understand what was going on, Ferrari had originally agreed to give... So Charles Leclerc was going to give Sebastian Vettel the slipstream at the start of the race because we know how powerful it is on the opening lap. It's one of the longest rundowns to turn one, which is technically turn two in Russia. So they said, okay, we're going to give Vettel the slipstream. He's going to get to P2. Ferrari's going to be 1-2 after turn two. And then we're going to swap the positions. That was what was apparently agreed to. Now, if you're Sebastian Vettel, that's probably not what you agreed to, as we found out later in the race. But Well, if you saw him in his post-match interview, he had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. He was not aware. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't like, yeah, that was no, he was he wasn't really sure what was going on. Or maybe he was playing stupid, I don't know. Probably playing it, I think. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But he did have a really good slipstream and Lewis Hamilton had a little bit of a mess up in the beginning. So I think he took full advantage of that situation. Everything that good could have gone right in that situation for Vettel kind of happened for him. And like you said, he already got he passed Lewis Hamilton even before the slipstream came into exactly. effect just yeah. because they were on the, the racing side of the track with better tires. So that grip was there right away. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, we, we had the team radio queued up. I don't know if we, we wanted do. to get we into that right it. now. Yeah. We can play it first and then uh, then we can kind of go over this. Yeah. Show. Leclerc leads. Sebastian Vettel pulls over to the right-hand side and Sebastian Vettel takes the lead. We are looking into the, the swap uh, farther into the race. Yeah, yeah, no problem. At least I understand. The swap further into the race. 
and Sebastian will lead you by next lap. And I'm pretty sure that message came out like lap two. Yeah, it would have been anyway. He's like, what? Ferrari are saying you had quite an advantage with a slipstream, not really fair on your teammate who got pole position and should get the preferred strategy. Vettel saying, yeah, it's nothing to do with the slipstream. I'd have got him anyway. And let Charles by. <laughs> Tell him to close up after that, fastest laps of the race. That is the way Paul that Sebastian Vettel can try and get out of this situation. I can't let him pass at the moment. He's, he's, he's too far behind. You put me behind. I respected everything. We'll speak later. And then everything went wrong. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's... in the end, they did do the swap. But Ferrari said, no, no, no. The, the undercut pit stop was, was not so that we would do the swap. It's like, okay, sure. I mean, you left Vettel out an extra, what, four laps, probably, when he was struggling with tires, so the swap happened eventually. Yeah, it, it was going to happen whether Vettel liked it or not, and mm -hmm. that's because yeah, you got to keep a young driver uh, happy there, but it, I don't know, it, it's something where if it was agreed in you know before the race, then I see no issue with it, um, but I could see why Vettel would have an issue with it, obviously. Um, so he played the best he could to try and stay out as much as he could and stay out as far as he could. And um, it was kind of, we were hoping to see the, the chase down of Vettel chasing down Leclerc and maybe seeing a, an overtake for the lead to, to prove that, okay, well, I was the faster car and that's fine. I'll do it twice. I'll overtake him twice and yeah. I'll get the win. But unfortunately, uh, V6 engine happened. <laughs> Too yeah, bad. so... MGUK. Yeah, yeah MGUK. I was going to say, do we want to show Vettel's point of view on his oh. onboard? Yeah, well, which one was that one? Was that, that the was, one with that the... Was both, that, that was the uh, this one here. Oh, so just what Vettel was saying. Yeah, because that one wasn't... We didn't hear all the team radio on no. the broadcast uh, from Sebastian Vettel's side. So yeah, maybe let's just play this out if, because most of you, I don't think, would have heard this one. So Okay. Copy that. You let me know on the start. So the beginning of this was at the safety car restart. And say if you want. And the very beginning of the race. And start performance was the same. So we are looking into swapping. So they were already looking into swapping. I believe this was lap two. Copy. I was ahead after. In or after turn one. So your call. <laughs> very interesting that Vettel says. You know, I was ahead after turn one already, but it's your call on the swap. So interesting, interesting message there. And we will look into the best time later in the race. Past 1.2 behind, I jumped down. Next time is 2.4 behind Charles. Let Charles by, let Charles by. So they're already telling them to let Charles by just after the safety car restart. <laughs> you know that? So I would have got him anyways. <laughs> but let's break away for another two laps let me know. One or two laps turned into maybe five. Okay, yeah, pit stop. Yeah. <laughs> let Charles by. And this one is three seconds behind Charles. So Vettel was keeping it, that gap going because it was up to three seconds after <laughs> collapse. Hey, copy. Let's see to close the gap. Let him by. It's 1.4 behind. That was his silent message. That's <laughs> 1.6 behind. Yeah, he kept increasing the gap too. It was fastest lap after fastest lap. 1.7 behind. 
1.7 behind. <laughs> You're doing well. <laughs> Looking to plan C, chance 1.5. Plan C, okay, plan C. <laughs> Update your tire phase when you can. I wonder what plan C was. I Undercut. Chance is 3 tenths behind, 3 tenths lower than you, and I'm in turn 3 9 1. OTP, green, Westgate, position 9. OTP, green, Westgate. So Charles was 3 tenths slower per lap at that point when they were still trying to do the switch. So interesting there, yeah. just kind of getting Seb's side of the thing. And very interesting that at the beginning of that, he's like, he's pleading his case, right? Like, like you were saying, I would have passed him anyway, and I did pass him even before, but let me know. It's like, okay, and then afterwards, it's let's do another two laps at this pace, and then we look we'll into the switch later. Going. Sebastian Vettel had no intention of doing the swap. No, and you know what? To be honest, I'm kind of on Vettel's side for this one. I think it was the right call, because... The amount of distance between Hamilton and Charles Leclerc could have been made up any second if they had if they if they had done the swap. If he had slowed down for any reason, tried to go over, he, yeah, he wouldn't really be defending for Charles Leclerc if he was ahead. So I think it was kind of the right call in his in his defense, even though there was a team strategy laid out. Because yes, he's like, I'm ahead, I'm making the faster pace. So why shouldn't I be the one that's going up a little bit further and Charles Charles be the one defending? Because even if he was in second place, I feel like. Uh, Vettel would have caught up to Charles anyways and would have taken him over if he had the opportunity. And like Charles said, he had burned out his tires trying to make for that push. So that still would have happened if even if he wasn't still even if he was in first place. Vettel had great race pace. In the last two yeah. races, he's had better race pace, mm -hmm. better time managing the tires as well. And listen, I'm fine with the Ferrari strategy of securing the one-two after turn for two. Sure. It's, yeah. it's smart. It's what they should have done in Monza last year, and things probably would have ended up different for them. Mm. But after that, first of all, to suggest to do a swap five laps into the race is just stupid. No. Why they would even broadcast that on team radio, that should have just been kept private. Yeah. And it should have been worked out in the meeting that, okay, like even let's do the swap if we are going to do it after the first round of pit stops. But you don't do it when all cars are still within sight of each other. And just like you said, if you were to pulled over to let Charles by, I mean, your gap is gone. Yeah. It's it's just that type of track on any track for that matter. There's no there's no real good place of doing a swap like that because you just lose so much time. Yeah. So um, unless you're in a situation like Mercedes where you're already so you're pulled up so far ahead that it doesn't you can do the swap whenever you want. You kind of called the strategy at this point. You yeah. Know, you're controlling the race, but Ferrari had the race, but they weren't controlling it at this point. No, know? it was like two laps in. Yeah. Like, exactly. like the first message, I was blown away when okay the first lap was done safety car restart whatever it was and then they get on Vettel's radio and they're like we're looking at the swap I'm like swap yeah. and I think even David Croft was asking he was like did they say swap and afterwards it came out that yeah but that's what they wanted to do at first I thought they were talking about stop right like, are they gonna like really undercut everyone and go on the hards and go to the end and then kind of clarified I was like I yeah. think they said swap and I was like oh which you don't think of right away, of course, no, that early sure. in the race. But yeah. uh, in the end, um, kudos to Vettel for doing the best he can as in using the wits of a four-time world champion to stay out front as long as he could. Um, it didn't work out for him, and I would have liked to see the end of the race. But that's it's the awareness of a four-time champion. And he used his experience to his advantage this weekend, and I thought it was 
I thought it was really well done by Vettel. And maybe something that Charles can learn from is uh, patience. Not, yeah, a little bit of patience <laughs> with, with the team orders and that things can, everything will even out in the long term. Um, it's just got to wait and have some patience. So I said it last week. And I might have been a little bit, you know, might have been going a little bit overboard. Say it with the chest this week. He was kind of being a brat. No. <laughs> I I agreed with you. We were messaging earlier today about it. I I think so. Like honestly, it's it's sometimes you're just like Charles, shut up and just drive. Yeah, like this- head down and go. And I get it. Listen, I, I get his point of view. Yeah, yes. no, he's for like, sure. I, I totally understand him. But he's yeah. like, man, at that point, you got to listen to your team. You got to listen to the four-time world champion ahead of you who was saying, "Stay behind." There's no way we're making the swap happen at this moment. Like it, it would have been the, it would have been a bad call. And in the end, the undercut was the right way to do it, in my opinion. Sure, they made Vettel stay out a little bit longer, but. In that, in their team strategy worked would have worked out that way. If you would have had a one-two, correct? Yeah, if, no virtual safety. Yeah, car. if no virtual safety car would have happened, they would have still gotten exactly what they needed out of that situation. And then know? Vettel would have been pissed post race, but yeah. Leclerc. I mean, Leclerc was happy anyway. But no, I, and I agree. But at the same time, just because you get pole position, like listen, the race is won on Sunday. Yep. So. The thing that kind of irked me about Leclerc's radio messages is like, listen, man, this is only your first season with Ferrari. You're not entitled to a race victory just because yeah. you got pole. Yeah, you played the team game, but after that, it's a race. Yeah. And if you want to get by Seb, pass him. I think that's something that all F1 fans can think of is, is less team orders and more racing on track and actual overtaking and fighting between teammates because it's the same with Bottas and Hamilton. Yeah. It's the exact same scenario. I mean, not not in terms of maybe the driver's situation with experience and stuff like that, but right. with just the team orders and letting people buy and trying to do swaps and really frustrating to see because we want to see these, they're the top four cars on the track. Yeah. First, we're going to have very simple battles and okay, you can overtake me. We're not going to have exciting racing and that's a problem in F1. Yeah. Big sure. problem. And you brought up a really good point where this was the old Seb. And we yeah. said last week that Vettel's back. Now he's really back because this is multi-21, Seb. Yeah. What you were talking about before with the Red Bull incident when he was behind Mark Webber. I forget which race it was. Maybe it was Turkey uh, or Malaysia. No, Malaysia. Was it Malaysia? And he, uh, Vettel got the message. Okay, we're going to bring the cars home, multi-21. So essentially, I think it was a engine map setting. But yeah. Event. Anyways, the message being that we're just going to come home as formation. So Webber was first, Vettel was second. But Sebastian Vettel was like, fuck that. I want to win the race. And they came close, a little bit of a contact, and he won the race, right? And obviously, Mark Webber was very pissed off afterwards. The team was very Multi-21, pissed off. Multi-21, Seb. Yeah, in the, in the break room. <laughs> With after. the like, crazy Australian eyes. Like, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then Webber on the podium after, he's like, Seb will have production, and that's the way it is. And yeah, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> like, ouch. Um, but that's the old Sebastian Vettel. And had he obeyed team orders, he would have turned into Valtteri Bottas. Because that's the criticism that we've had of Valtteri the last couple of weeks and maybe going back I mean, to even last year. year. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Was, no, man, forget about the team orders and go and win the race for yourself. Race for yourself, you know? Like, I understand you're racing as a team. It's an individual. But you're racing as an individual yeah, driver, right. exactly. It was what it comes down to. And you're racing to be the best in the world, not the best team in the world, you know? Like, that's exactly. in the end, that's, what's, that's what you're going to be known as. Yeah, and that's, not as the best support driver on the grid, yeah, you know. That's Rubens Barrichello. <laughs> Correct. With all due respect, he no, was a great driver, a fantastic. but one of the best 
to to race in F one. But zero world championships, and just because he was behind who? Michael, and exactly. even even with Jensen Button too. Yeah, yeah, same with Jensen. Yeah, you're right. So but it, it's just if he plays that role so well, a fantastic driver, and you have to have the talent to do that. But it's the exact same scenario. So I think that what Vettel did was absolutely right, and it's a big kind of stamp of authority going in the last five races, and also for next year as well to say that he's not going to go anywhere and he's not going to just let this new kid come around and take his team over because this has been his team for the last couple of years. And Kimi was the designated number two, but now Ferrari's in a situation where they don't really have a designated number one per se. one A, one B. Correct, exactly, which is a big problem because you get into these scenarios, right? It was easy with Kimi because we'll just screw Kimi with the strategy. (laughs) It's, It's a big problem for the driver, but I think it's a great great point of view for the team because now they have two drivers that can push you know for this world championship and push to get it and now that they finally have a car that's doing so well after how they've started off this season it's a great situation to be in for them because they have these two drivers that are just going to push for it till the very end yeah um but yeah you don't want that situation where you know it's hey i got qualifying i should be the one winning they have to put in a situation where it's like no just go out there and race and whatever position you come in you know you guys will come and we'll make the strategy calls on our end so i think there's a concern of it turning into hamilton rosberg yes because that was in 2016 similar like a 1a 1b scenario so i think that's the the danger with it where the see i think the difference is that both drivers at least charles for sure want the team to do well as at the same time and are looking to keep both cars clean because we've seen Correct. Charles say that multiple times where Rossberg Hamilton it was you know what's wild wild west out caution there. in the you wind do, yeah. yeah it was uh, everything you know put each other into the grass put each other anywhere anywhere on the track you could force each other wide uh, which what is what led to the problems and I think Ferrari would kind of take that out real quick. Uh, Mercedes didn't have the authority that, to do that. Like they, It seemed like they didn't have the authority. They weren't able to talk to the drivers, where I think Ferrari, they'd be able to talk to the drivers and be a little more civil than what we saw with Rosberg and Hamilton. I think that's a fair point, because obviously with Ferrari, it's a, it's a huge, huge deal to be driving for them, and that comes first. And you're right. That's one of the great things about Charles Leclerc is that he he does put the team first in that sense. But... I just still think that coming into your first year, yeah, you have done a really good job this year. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But again, you're not just going to be entitled to race victories just because you got pole or just because you're ahead of Sebastian Vettel in the last couple of races. So yeah, I think that Leclerc just needs to kind of keep his head down in those scenarios. Maybe tr- I mean, he said after Singapore that he wasn't going to say much on the radio, but then he comes out again and says a lot on the radio. And you can kind of read through those messages. When he's saying no problem, he means, no, this is going to be a problem if we don't do the swap. You know, that's the the kind of spoiled brat almost coming out in the in the team radio. But he's a great driver, and I think it's a great team partnership. But if Ferrari have the best car next year, like Mercedes had this year, it could get really tense in that in that Ferrari room. Well, you know, it's like Sebastian Vettel says, the biggest difference between having Charles on his team compared to Kimi was there's a lot more talking on the radio and, and in general. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. Seriously, it's true. <laughs> Instead of Kimi is... Uh... How did how did how did he get in front of us? I thought Hamilton was in front of us. No Valtteri. Uh, no, sorry, no Kimmy. Valtteri is always ahead of us. What was he ahead of at first? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> all confused. Oh my bad. <laughs> or or how about Kimmy box opposite to Hamilton, box opposite to Hamilton, but I cannot see him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was last year at Russia. We're missing some great Kimmy 
Kimmy Radio, though. We haven't had a lot of it this year, really, have we? Well, well we had the one in, the last, in this last race where the where during the uh, coming out of the pit lane after the after the um, guy on the jack got stuck. He's like, "Are you fucking serious?" Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I take my comment back. That's how, hilarious. How about the one in Barre where he's like, "Okay, Kimmy, how's the front wing?" I don't know. You tell me. Tell me. We've had a few. But uh, my favorite, actually, so far this season has been Nico Hulkenberg from Singapore. It's like, Nico, uh, we're going to need you to stop uh, hitting the brake and the gas at the same time. I'm what? Hot. I'm not doing that. He's like, yes, Nico, not right now, but you're doing it. No, I'm not. Yes, Nico, we have the data. And yes, you've been doing it. Yeah. Okay. Silence. <laughs> I thought of Kimi Raikkonen actually when that whole Ferrari thing was going down. Kimi's probably like, thank God I'm away from that <laughs> team. Like he was, he did not want to deal with any of that politics side of no. it. So no, not I, at all. You know, I was watching uh, a little off topic here, but uh, just going all the way to back to last year. And I forget what race it was, but, oh, sorry. No, it was U.S. Grand Prix. And Raikkonen had won the race and uh, Hamilton and Max were, you know, in the, in the room, they're all talking, <laughs> and Reichen and Reichen asked Hamilton, "Do you win the championship?" <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton just like, "No," <laughs> and like that, one, that was took, a great one. Took yeah. such insult, but Kimi was like, "I don't know. I had no idea." I don't I don't know. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised he knew Lewis was leading the championship. <laughs> it was just this most savage Burns without trying. And wasn't he like sitting cross-legged too? Like oh, he, yeah, was yeah. Just he was just chill, he was just straight up, just sitting. So did you win? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm, Serious question. Uh, anyways, back on to, uh, on to this race. Yeah, I think we've kind of wrapped up. What did you guys think of the team orders? Who was in the right? Was was it Vettel? Was it Leclerc? Were they both at fault? What, what do Ferrari and Mattia Bonato do heading into the next couple races and the next five finishing off this season? Um, Vettel was in Maranello on Monday, had some simulator work, had a meeting with Bonato, so would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting how the rest of the season plays out. If Ferrari have the best car in the last five races, we might get more of this. Uh, yeah, Japan will be really interesting to see what plays out there. Yeah. But we'll um, get into that in our preview. Yes, we will. Um, can I talk about a driver that really impressed me today? Yes. Or not today, but this last race? Alex Albon. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe that's, the, the... That's exactly what I was going to get into. Was it? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the comeback kid for this, uh, this race, starting the pit lane with... Uh, well, everything going on with Honda, um, to drive and finish in P5, which is fantastic you know, for him. You know what was most impressive? Red Bull called it right at the beginning. They're like, yeah, he's going to be starting from the pit lane, but he'll get P5, P6. There's the confidence in them, and you know, to, to say to say that out to say that outright, and that's a drive from a top level driver yeah. to, to right. drive for oh, a top for team sure. like that to to be able to come from the back and finish in P5, not just a points position. Uh, a solid points position where he racks up uh, you know, a couple spots off the podium. Uh, pretty impressive. He's got more points than Max since the restart. Well, there you go. Yeah, continues his streak of top six finishes at Red Bull, yeah. which was in jeopardy starting from the pit lane, but he did a great job. Yeah, I was looking at him in qualifying, and I'm like, ooh, he might be dropping in our power rankings, but then comes oh. in with a storming race to to finish off the weekend, so... Impressive. Yeah, and it's you good. know how we said at the beginning of this podcast that there's no overtaking in in, uh, in Sochi. I mean, he overtook yeah. Yeah. 15 cars. You know, so we didn't see much of it, unfortunately, uh, as usually we do in the midfield battle. 
But yeah, he did yeah. a pretty good job being able to kind of leapfrog a lot of a lot of drivers, racy drivers as well, getting in front of uh, the racing points. The Renaults at one point, Nico Hulkenberg ha- had good pace along with the Haas as well. So to be able to clear those cars w- was impressive. And yeah, to salvage that, it, it didn't look good at, for Red Bull on either side of the garage. But uh, yeah, to finish P4 and P5 with them, probably the best they could do. For sure, 100%. Yeah. Um, I just mentioned actually uh, Haas and, and Kevin Magnussen, who was having a really good race until he cut the chicane, or well, not really the chicane, he but he really, cut. He didn't though. Like, well, that's the penalty I want to talk about too, because he, they gave him a five second penalty. And I think the reason why was because the F2 crash that happened earlier in the day. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was a pretty big F2 crash. Mazepin and Jack Aitken came together. And then Mazepin, well, basically what happened was Aitken went through that zone basically full throttle through that bollard. And then Mazepin also came through that way. They hit each other. And then Mazepin hit, I think it was Mashishita on the outside. And then they big crash into the wall. So I think crash. I did miss that crash. Miss the crash. Yeah. Look it up. It it was definitely, it was a big one. Um, But I think that's why that they kind of made a really strict call on Kevin Magnuson, which I don't think was necessarily fair because not in that scenario no because i personally think he did the right call because he he knew he was going to get overtaken he knew he couldn't make that well, corner he couldn't make he, and he couldn't make the first ballard yeah you can't really make the first two ballards because i mean you have to slow down all the way in order to steer around them yeah and again like magnuson said it might be even more dangerous doing it that yeah. way so he reduced his speed i think he re-entered the track safely there was nobody behind him that was in close proximity oh, and Perez he lost the position right there didn't he well, he, he made the overtake before Magnuson re-entered. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was fine. Um, and then obviously, you know, Gunter Steiner was really pissed off afterwards on Team Radio. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, was, so was Kevin Magnuson. Yeah. Actually, I don't blame him. But um, Magnuson did call Gunter his buddy. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> what a load of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wondering if uh, Gunter's going to get any penalty for that because uh, we see in he, other he leagues, could get a fine. you know, criticizing referees ends up in big fines. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him a fine. Yeah. Does that only happen like during the race? Because we've seen Ferrari uh, say multiple things about that uh, Canadian Grand Prix loss. I don't think it was that bad, though. I mean, he went in on them. Like, I listened to the full team radio. And so he's first, he's like, "Eh, if if it wasn't for that stupid, idiotic steward. And then I think Magnuson said something. And then Gunter started talking again, and somebody muted him because, because Gunter started saying, he's like, what was his name? And then they muted him because who knows what else he would have said, right? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm glad that somebody kind of stepped in there because it could have been a bigger fine, possibly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, difficult for Haas, obviously. They still yeah. finished in the points, but it could have been points. better. They could have had a, a double points finish, I think, if if Grosjean didn't get crashed into. I know, I know that's saying a lot because he, there's, yeah, it could have been this, could have been that. Yeah. But, Something I, I believe could have happened for, for Haas, and that wasn't that out of the question. Yeah, and another driver in the midfield that we haven't talked about in the last couple of weeks, but I wanted to give a, a little shout-out to is Sergio Perez in yes, the Racing great Point. race, yeah. Yeah, another really good race, and I believe that's his third race in a row that he's finished in the points. Uh, let me just quickly check here. So he's been in the points in three out of the last five races, a P6 P7 uh, did not finish in Singapore with the engine, and then P7 in this race as well. So I think that Perez has been doing a really good job for Racing Point. He had a kind of a slower start to the year, but that was more the car, and and the upgrades that they brought since Germany have really helped them. Even Lance Stroll was close to getting that last point, 
but Magnuson did a really good job in the last couple of laps to create that gap. Mm-hmm. But Racing Point is coming along pretty nicely after the summer break, like we thought they would. And uh, Perez has been leading that team. See, see, yeah. it's usually the opposite with what was Force India before Racing Point, where they'd have a fantastic start to the season, but they'd have no money for development for the second half of the season. Yeah. And they couldn't. But now they got stroll money. They have stroll. They do have stroll money. <laughs> it's a good place so to be. We're seeing an opposite this year, where they started off from scratch and now clawing their way to what is a, a pretty decent car. And who knows what could, that could end to next year? There's a lot of a lot of teams next year where you could say. I think it's. I think the three juicy ones are Renault, um, McLaren, and Racing Point. Oh, but Renault's so screwed. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Renault, they lost uh, a customer. In McLaren. Yeah. McLaren announcing they're moving back to McLaren Mercedes in 2021, which obviously is a massively successful partnership for them. Won three world titles with Mika Hakkinen and then yeah. obviously with Lewis Hamilton, uh, last one in 2008. So that was a great partnership. And you kind of wonder, like, what would have happened had they not switched to Honda in 2015? Mercedes have obviously had the best power unit in the hybrid era up until this year, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I wonder where McLaren would have been because even when they were struggling, they had a pretty good chassis. In 2017, they said that they had the best chassis. So I don't know. I'm not saying they could have been race winners, but maybe they would have been best of the rest all this time along. Who knows? But with Renault, you lose a customer. So you lose a lot of revenue, obviously. Well, yeah, that and losing Red Bull last year too, right? was also a major hit for them. Yeah, and heading into 2021, they'd be the only team that would kind of have their own engines. I mean, Ferrari's obviously supplying Haas, Alfa Romeo. Mercedes is supplying a ton of teams. They're going to be supplying, obviously, McLaren now, uh, Racing Point, and Williams. And Honda, of course, supplying the two Red Bull teams. So Renault is the only one that's going to be on their own, which, yes, they're going to lose that money, but... 2005 and 2006, when they won the world titles, same scenario. They were the only team that had Renault engines. So it kind of is a good thing in a way because you can just focus on development on your own side. You don't have to share anything with other teams. So maybe you can keep more secrets in-house. I don't know. It it could be interesting. There's a big possibility of them not signing bigger name drivers though because of it, right? Because what? They lost 16 million and we got... I think just last week we got told that Daniel Ricardo's contract was twenty five million over twenty seven and a half. Twenty seven and a half million over what three years? I believe it was, yeah. It was two or three, three years. Yeah. Which is a huge he's a third highest paid third, driver yeah. behind Vettel and Hamilton. Big man gets paid. Yo. <laughs> Boardman. <laughs> Boardman. <laughs> Aussie man gets Aussie paid. Man gets paid. <laughs> Honey Badger gets paid. Um but yeah, that's that's a huge loss for them, and you know that's revenue that was coming in that were that they were using for using for research and development. Um, so it should be interesting to see where a lot of that money is going to be coming in for that, and you know also to put it up for drivers. The really good move on their part was getting Esteban Ocon right before that deal yeah. went through. Right. So that was a great call on their end um, to have that all wrapped up for this got released. But should be exciting. Do you think uh, McLaren's going to go to silver, or are they going to stick with the uh, orange? I don't think they can go to silver just because Mercedes is silver. But uh, maybe they'll go to like a black. Yeah. Or an orange with black. What about an orange and silver? How gross would that look? Like, that'd be, that no, would I just feel like look they should it, just. Eh? I guess there's, or, there's already two blue cars on the grid or two blue teams on the grid. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, that return to the old McLaren Mercedes livery, the black, the black with the silver, silver was would, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. That would look really good. But I think that was a sponsor back then. I think it was West. 
that's why they had those colors. But oh, that was that when Kimi was driving for that team and Montoya, that was one of the best F1 cars ever. Yeah, one of the nicest looking for sure. I, you know what? Could go down as actually the, the nicest looking livery yeah. in F1 history, I think. Yeah, it could have been a world championship winning car too. Had it up and for liability, but one of yeah, for me for me, one of the best looking ones. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what happens with Renault and and even Toro Rosso are looking to change their name for 2020. Um, right? I think they've entered something officially with the FIA. I don't know if you can look it up what they're proposing as their name change, but I think it was like Alta Alpha Toro or something like that. Oh, I thought that's what oh, I thought Alpha Romeo. That's what like because I heard something like that name, but I thought they were saying Alpha Romeo wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> David Croft forgot slipped oh, up again or yeah, something. Like, yeah, oh, well, I didn't know. I thought I just maybe stumbled, but. Or I heard it wrong, so I just figure it's Alfa Romeo, but I guess I guess not. I think it might roll off the tongue a little bit easier than Toro Alpha Rosso. Tori. Alpha Tori, there you go. Which sucks. <laughs> I don't Alpha like it that Tori. much. No, I don't either. How can you have two teams named Alpha? Maybe they should have just got back to Minority. Yes. Huh. I would have liked that. Not a bad idea. It's easier to pronounce. Toro Rosso. Oh, what's wrong with Toro Rosso, though? Nothing. Toro Rosso isn't bad. They would still be Toro Rosso's B, uh, Red Bull's B team, right? Right. Correct. Just yeah, call nothing Red would change. Bull B. Red Bull B. RBB. Red Bull Light. No, no, Diet Red Bull. That's what Diet we should call Red it. Diet Red Bull, yes. <laughs> All the great taste, but zero calories. <laughs> 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 so we'll see if that name change goes through, but for now, they're still Toro Rosso. Mm. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was uh, our boy, Max Verstappen, friend of the show. Not really, but... the can du- be if you want. Yeah, to. exactly. The Dutch fans love us. We haven't really talked about Max Verstappen too much, and Red Bull have been struggling since the summer break. That's why. Yeah, they've been... <laughs> they've only been on the podium once, of course, which was in Singapore, and even that podium was a little bit lucky um, with, with Mercedes' strategy. They can kind of thank them for that, but... I was reading this article earlier today, um, and we can post this up for you guys to see as well, that Yash and Max Verstappen, they're very concerned by the form of Red Bull. And like we mentioned, they haven't had really good form since the summer break. And we remember before the summer break, it was all about Red Bull and Mercedes. Red Bull had wins in Germany, wins in Austria. Even in Hungary, they could have had the win. They had a pole position. And then all of a sudden after, they've been really nowhere with the pace. Italy, they weren't anywhere. Belgium... Now in Russia, and obviously they took engine penalties, but we thought that in Russia, they were going to have some more pace, but they were just so far behind Mercedes and uh, Ferrari. Yeah, it's uh, kind of in a, a where's wallow right now for Red Bull and keeping quiet of things. And again, it will be really interesting in the races further. Japan, depending on the new engine and how that works out, of course, Honda will be ramping up to make sure they can get a podium at their home Grand Prix. Uh, but I think the, their next best shot is going to be Brazil. Um, I, I like I know Max has done very well in the U.S., but we've seen him dominate at Brazil and do so well at Brazil. And Red Bull's car is more suited for that's that uh, at San Paulo track and Mexico as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Mexico too. Those but, two. I don't think it's going to matter at this point. For what we saw in this last Russian Grand Prix, the Red Bulls were. What like almost a full second behind the uh, behind the Mercedes and the Ferrari? Did they say they got the setup wrong again? No, they didn't say anything oh. like that. And and just reading a quote from from Yosh Max's father, he says it's very frustrating. The last few races before the summer break, it went really well, but after the summer break, we did not progress while the other teams did. Yeah, and they just got engine upgrades. 
Yeah, and, and yeah. two in a like two in the last four uh, three races too. So uh, to see no advantage made by Red Bull is kind of disappointing. And not just the engine too, but also the car. And and Josh Verstappen goes on to say, looking at the last couple of races, it seems that we will be half a second short in Japan. So even in Japan, when they're gearing up all these engine penalties, that's a big margin to be half a second behind. So it's interesting because they said that they just really haven't made any progress yet, and Red Bull. Usually their car evolution through the last couple ends of the season are really good. So this is interesting with with the whole situation with Max Verstappen and Red Bull because I know we talked about this a long time ago about Max potentially looking at other teams and stuff like that. And obviously, twenty twenty or sorry, twenty nineteen has kind twenty nineteen has been a lost year for them because they really haven't challenged for the championship. And this is what Jos Verstappen is talking about. It's listen, Red Bull is going to need to really figure this stuff out because twenty twenty is just going to be the same. Yeah, it's. And we don't want that. We want to see improvements, Red Bull. We want to see more of a push for, you know, to face both Mercedes and Ferrari. Um, and it's very unfortunate because he was he was very confident in that Honda engine. And I feel like he still is. But I think we just need to see a little bit more improvement, a little more improvements going into it. I think it's from a whole team perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, the car, it, it's a fast car. It's just, it's not quite there, yeah. uh, unfortunately, for Red Bull. And, if they're half second down in Japan, that's that's a lot of time to be losing it, and you would have to think a lot of that would be on the straights with where. But I, but mean, I don't know with their new Honda engine how it's going to work. It's really a it's really a guess who right now. I mean, if they are a half second behind, where are they losing that time? Because they have you know the chassis and the aero to to comply. Or is that half second going to be on the straights, or is that Honda engine going to be maybe a bit better than what we thought it's going to be? And, you know, the half second they thought is actually two tenths, maybe one tenth, and they can make that up in certain spots of the race with setups. Uh I was going to say, it seems like their qualifying isn't really bad. It's definitely better than their their actual race. But it seems like when it gets to the race, they just lose everything that they, they, you know, that they've tried on qualifying work for qualifying. It just doesn't really transfer to the race itself it just surprises me because even in parts of the track where you think that they're going to excel like in the low speed corners Mm -hmm. they're even now losing out to ferrari yeah i mean you saw max in sector three in qualifying really wasn't making up too much time on both ferraris Mm -hmm. or even the mercedes's and if Jos Verstappen, if what he says is true about being a half second behind in Japan, Japan's not really a power circuit. It's all about high load mm-hmm. circles, cir- circles, uh, high load corners where you need a good front end. And the Red Bull, that's been one of the marquees of having a really strong front end. So there's not much straight. I mean, you have the back straight in Japan, which is a big factor. But with a spec four Honda engine, you would expect that to be a little bit better. So. Mm-hmm. I really think that why I found this article was interesting was because we were kind of praising Red Bull and Verstappen when they went on a great run in the middle of the summer. But always keep in mind that I think Verstappen holds the keys in that team. Yeah. And he'll walk away if he doesn't feel like he'll have a world championship car. And think about this on the Mercedes side of things. Maybe that was one of the reasons why they let Ocon go because they leave the door open for Max in 2021 possibly because... Most likely why they delayed... Valtteri Bottas is signing as well to such late. What is it was later on in the summer window that it happened, right? The summer break. Correct. Yeah. They possibly kept that door open for that as well. Yeah, you're right. And, and who they knows? only re-signed Valtteri for one year. It wasn't an extended contract, so maybe they are waiting till 2021 to see what Max does. Yeah, and, and like his dad said, it's not Max. It, it's the car. I mean, Max has been phenomenal this year. Oh, We've yeah, said he it really has been many well, times on this channel. I think if you were looking at the 
he just turned 22 yesterday. Yep. Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah. Just turned 22 yesterday, and he has 21 wins before the age of 21, and I think the next one is eight, eight or nine. He doesn't have 21. Oh, 21. Sorry, podiums. 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 Okay, okay. That makes sense. Podiums. I know he's good, but... Podiums. Uh, podiums before 21, and I think the next highest number is Sebastian Vettel with nine, eight or nine. I was looking at the stat the other day, before the age of 21. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. And... I don't think there's anybody else that's really going to make that many podiums before the age of 21. I mean, Charlotte Leclerc is already 21. Next one would be Landon Norris or George Russell. And Landon Norris doesn't have any podiums yet. Right. Yeah. No, so I, th- I think that they'll pull the trigger if they need to. In 2020, the car is an evolution. It's not a revolution. So I don't think we'll see massive radical changes unless Red Bull can figure it out. So we'll keep an eye on on how Verstappen and Red Bull progress going rest forward this season. Yeah. All right. I think we've we've almost done an hour on the Russian GP. How did we yeah. do that? How did we manage that? <laughs> uh, and you know what? We haven't even talked about Mercedes. But good call on the Anyways, strategy. Yeah, <laughs> they got the strategy right. <laughs> Sorry. Good work. Maybe that's, that Ferrari bias is coming through. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. They had a good strategy call. You know, James did it again. Um, no, it was a good drive by Lewis. Though, it was. To, it was. And Valtteri as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. To yes. keep the gap and to maintain uh, a one-two podium that they were not expected to get at the start of this race. Well, he, he, at the start of the weekend, before any practices, he said, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Then once practice started, he said, no, no way. Uh, but they somehow pulled their Mercedes magic and, you know, a little sprinkle dust of luck here and there with a, a safety car. And Still um, the only team to work out when it's Sochi. That's true. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent record. Yeah. Even back to 1913. And Bo all they only have two one, finishes as yes, well, right? Uh, I don't know if they're Not all one, last two. year. Um, Not last year. No, yeah, I don't think it's all one two finishes. No, I hope you're wrong. Um, but you could be right too, though. <laughs> just, I, I don't I, think I, don't it, I think Vettel finished second in, uh, yeah, in 2017. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they only have one more year to try and keep that 100% streak in Russia. As you mentioned, that dates all the way back to 1913, something like that. Correct. No, that's the difference between them and Ferrari. Ferrari finds a way to complicate things, and Mercedes just finds a way to slip into a one-two. Yeah, yeah. and I think they were the only team to start with the medium tires right at the beginning, Correct. right? Yeah, and but that also showed how good Ferrari was at this track. The fact that Mercedes had to force their hand into a different strategy, which probably wouldn't have worked had it not been for the safety cars. No, for sure. Well, I think they were expecting a safety car because I think the last few years there has been one. Might be wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, there has. So they were kind of they were kind of expecting the safety car, and while no, nobody else really was, so it was a great call on their part, great team team strategy to make it happen. And with the virtual safety car, they just had the perfect uh, pit stop to to keep to mm-hmm. keep going. You know, so yep, one step closer to title number six. I think they can. Um, they can, can. I think they can clinch in in Japan. Constructors with a one-two. Yeah, in Japan, correct. Yes, and then. Hamilton's is what two more races he's pretty much has a championship yeah there's yeah. a like mathematically Vettel Leclerc Verstappen are still in it but we can go through the stipulations in our preview yeah, um, yeah. somebody posted a, a good infographic on what needs to happen if it were I mean it's a massive long shot wow. <laughs> so um well yeah and then I think that's I just wanted to give a shout out to whoever's running the Racing Point social media account. Oh, huge. For the best tweet on on Sunday, which was when Ferrari team orders was going to happen. Racing Point tweet out, they're like, Sebastian, it's James. (laughs) Fantastic tweet. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well done. Yeah, that was was definitely the tweet of the day for sure. Um, Um, The other one is Williams. Unfortunate. 
Very unfortunate race yeah, for them. Yeah, but smart call on... Yes, t- for t- sure. Smart call right after it happened, but yeah. unfortunate weekend for them. You know why they retired Kibitza, though, right? They, they didn't want the same they issue. They didn't want happen. the same issue. No, it was because... Well, it's part of it, but it's also because they didn't have enough parts for Japan. Really? Yeah, so if they, he would have crashed, they would have had nothing, nothing for Japan. Are you oh. serious? Yeah, they didn't. They don't have enough parts for Japan, so that's why they retired. Because they weren't sure with Russell's issue, whether it was a brake issue, front have wing failure. Have they had that many issues this year? Oh, yeah. Really, eh? Maybe yeah. I missed a lot of them. Because if you saw Paddock pass, Will Buxton was interviewing Kibitza, and he's like, why, why, why did you retire? And Kibitza was just like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm not going to say anything that I don't know about. He was like, I have no idea why I retired. But yeah, they, they didn't have enough oh, parts. Interesting. So damn, that's right. Well, there immediately we thought it was a safety issue, and we thought, okay, well, that makes sense. But yeah. in this, you know, looking back at things, if that wasn't the issue, if it was hundred, like that's 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 fine. But if it wasn't, then right? Because Japan, it, it's a it's a tricky track, with a lot yeah. of gravel, high speed, so there's big chances for accidents to happen. Um, so that's probably why they're trying to conserve. Mm-hmm. But uh, just before we wrap up, we forgot to talk about McLaren. Another yeah. double points finish. What we we were the F1 broadcast today. <laughs> We were. <laughs> yes, we, we were. McLaren completely. Sorry, Carlos. <laughs> smooth, smooth operator once again. And uh, whatever else he said at the end of the race. Go, go, squeeze. Go, go, squeeze. Go, go, squeeze. So, appa- <laughs> well, what's that from? I don't understand I think, that. Apparently, it's like, because uh, Carlos posted this on his Twitter. I think it's like, uh, you know those like energy gels? Oh, yeah. yeah. He posted like a, a video of his team radio and then like a picture of him with one of those things. And the label says "Go Go Squeeze." Oh, so there must be some sort of inside joke that we are all. Yeah. Well, which, now that we're in, yeah, yeah. it's not really an inside joke now, but yeah. But now we know Lando Norris doesn't like sushi as well. Yes. So good for McLaren. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to give them a shout out, Carlos Sainz, who killing it again. Yeah, yeah, a lot of technical issues yeah. the last couple of races, but get in there, Carlos. It, it was another good performance. Yeah, and Lando as well to pull off. Uh, Another solid points finish for himself. Uh, it yeah. seems like it's routine for them now. Yeah, I, I and don't solidifying think themselves as the number four team. I don't think he's missed out on points in the last five races. Maybe last Lando? Five? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking about this before we got on. Almost forgot this as well. First time since 2014, McLaren's broken the 100-point yeah, barrier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were, yeah, we were talking about <laughs> Good for McLaren, them. Yeah. And I think we were even What's saying, their record? 180? Uh, 181. 181. In 2014. And they're at one oh something. I forget one oh one. I think one oh one. Yeah, that's so possible. they could they could still beat it if if yeah. you know if they keep getting uh, top ten finishes. Yeah. A couple wins in there, they'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll solve it. Yeah, you know, I, I I do hope McLaren gets one podium this year. There's there's a lot of stuff that has to go into for them to get in to get a podium. I hope I it happens. Never so. know. I do hope it happens. There's Crazy a, wet race. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, it would be crazy. It would be a Lando science both on the podium, yeah, like second with Sergio Perez like up there because he didn't get a podium this year. He usually no, gets usually one. gets one a year yeah. right. in in Japan. Could you imagine <laughs> oh, that? Man, that'd be wild. Just giving middle fingers to Honda flags. <laughs> There's the prediction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nano Alonso would have to come out to give the middle finger for that. Uh, yeah, he would. He'd, he'd accept the constructors' <laughs> yeah, trophy. Yeah, like, Thank you. <laughs> it, it's like when Ferrari set up their strategist to collect the trophy in Singapore. Like, wow, who made that call? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> they got to do that, McLaren. If they get on the podium, there, send Fernando. Send, send Fernando <laughs> up top. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like Mr. Bean. <laughs> uh, all right. How did we manage? We did an hour on the Russian. We always do this. I'm always like, oh, this is a boring race. We'll only do like half an hour and then it ends up being 
Well, ramble on, but like Tyler said, there was a lot of drama in this race. True, you know that's how drama sells. Apparently, (laughs) drama sells. It does. But let us know your thoughts on the 2019 Russian John John Grand Prix Grand Grande. (laughs) I tried to say GP and Grand Prix at the same time. The Russian GP. What did you think of the Ferrari team orders? The McLaren double points finish. Mercedes with another one two. Any thoughts that you had in this race? Let us know. We got about uh, 10 days or so until the Japanese Grand Prix, so we'll be back next week with our full preview and thoughts on that race. Uh, We didn't get too much into uh, any of the news, uh, so we'll talk about that more uh, as we head to Japan. I'm sure we'll have more, and I'm sure that we'll have a lot of news that will break after we upload it. As usual. That's tradition. That's how it goes down. That's right. But you'll have power rankings also coming out at the end of this week, ranking the drivers after the Russian Grand Prix. So keep an eye out for that. If you're new to the channel, make sure you give us a subscribe and a like down below. We appreciate all the support. And uh, we'd love to have you guys along listening to these podcasts. We've only got uh, a handful more to go. Five more races yeah, after this. Cool. Yeah, It's gone by fast. And we still haven't missed one this year. No, yeah, no, we've been, we've been pretty, good. pretty good. No no preview or no, uh, you know. We, we've been like Williams up until Singapore. <laughs> Just consistent. Just consistent. Yeah, we're good. All right. Nothing else from you guys? Good? No. Okay. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. See ya. See ya.